everybody. Welcome to Babs Buzz. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Hope you've been writing. Hope you've been networking. I've got a lot to share with you today. I'm going to kind of slow down the pace a little bit because Michael gives us a little more time during these things. And one of the things that we have when I tape is I have a choice of where I can sit in the house because I got this wonderful new microphone. So... We're going to sit in the dining room today, and I have the windows open. So we're going to take this risk because we could get motorcycle hogs chopping by, or we could get this beautiful chord harmonic that uh, railroad the trains are known to do when they're signaling each other. It's really quite beautiful. If you listen, uh, people who know music, you can actually hear chords, you know, fourths, fifths, sixths, sevenths. It's, it's quite extraordinary. In the tech corner today... I'm going to talk about Team Viewer software. It connects you to any PC or server around the world within a few seconds. Now, please note I'm not sponsoring them. I had the experience of working with a writer via the Internet by being able to see what he sees, read what he reads at the same time that he could also edit it and put notes on there as we created the coverage notes together. And it was really a lot of fun. Greg Houghton turned me on to it. And it was it was it take took only a few minutes to set up. It's free. It's sort of a great way of co-writing over long or short distances. And he and his partner, uh, the guy he used to work with anyway, they they were using it for a couple of years. So it, it helps because you can work on the same document at the same exact time. So that's called Team Viewer Software. Now, I wanted to do something slightly different this time. That's why I want to speak a little more slowly because I'm going to get into the tall weeds of editing. But before I get there, I want to talk about the business corner. You need to know when you are writing, if you're going to write professionally, I would like you to consider doing your own personal business statement. Put down what your core competencies are and where are your blind spots. Make sure you read How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a critical book for this business. It's it's a must. You you simply, you would be denying yourself some one, sort of an AA in social studies if you didn't um, take to heart. How Number one, the book is very well crafted and it's very interesting to read because there's a lot of story references that make it much more palpable as a because technically it's a teaching book, but it's really great. It's really well written. So you need to know what your core competencies are and where are your blind spots. I have a couple of blind spots. One of them is I uh, I, I tend to simmer too long on things and I wait and I wait and I wait and then um, I have to make decisions quickly. I, I'm working on that to be a bit more spontaneous. What is your career trajectory then? Well, that in this business, if you're not writing for television. You need to be in L.A. if you're writing for television, as you know, because you're students of this class. But if you're going to write, you really do need to have at least six or seven ideas that are different genres, different hooks, different taglines. And the reason for that is you don't want to be a one-hit wonder. Now, there are one-hit wonders out there. I don't want to discourage you guys. In fact, I'm your agent, so you know that. You guys, if someone approaches you for a script, you know that I will write the deal for you in a heartbeat. In fact, um, I have some good news for these Simply Scripts boards today. I signed Pia Cook. This was probably inevitable when I look back on my relationship with Pia. My relationship with Pia is so good and so solid that um, Pia and I, I believe, did everything the right way. We got to know each other very well through the show, and I got to know her very well through Simply Scripts. One of Pia's strengths is that she is brilliant when it comes to making observations quickly. She's very fast on the uptake. Excuse me. She she is consistently when I listen to the shows as good as they are, she consistently piques me 
with her intuitive curiosity. She has a real curious mind, an intellectually rooted mind, but with just the right amount of motion. And her writing has really, it's just, it's gotten so good. So I signed Pia. And it's my hope that there will be good reasons for that shortly. Um, and even if it isn't, I just, I love having her as a, as a, a acquaintance turned friend. So thank you for that. So I have signed so far Brett for his short, Ryan for his scripts, Brett for her scripts. And I'm waiting for some more scripts, Brett. Come on, baby. I need those. Um, I've signed, um, I signed Michael Lang. I've signed four people from this site alone and that's in just what are we michael just under two years i think is that where we are so guys you have i am the agent of the world if you want me i'm here you don't have to jump through hoops but you do have to get coverage and you do have to get a beat sheet and you know that and never has that been more important than recently because what i noticed from my own writers is and this happens to the best writers they simply do not connect the dots with the beats as they should. They, wow, Michael just IM'd me just under two years. Huzzah, that's cool, Michael. You need to make sure that when you are writing, if you do not want to be a Save the Cat aficionado, that's fine. I don't know that The Descendants, which I started to read, that is a great script. I haven't finished it yet because I've, I've got too many things going on and I'm so disappointed because I wanted to read it in one sitting. When you're looking at a script like Descendants and you've got all this narrative prose, in other words, it's counter to what you and I know is what a script should look like. It's got a lot of black on the page. I asked Brian uh, O'Malley, the owner of Screenplay Readers. I highly recommend Screenplay Readers. You guys know that and you know why. If not, you got to listen to the shows, mate. Um, one of the things that he says that's important about those kinds of black ink dense works, it's got to be great. <laughs> it's not complicated. What the people who are speaking on the page have to not only be interesting, they've got to yank the story along. If you guys want to hear a, a kind of a short, fast interview with a publicist I did, uh, Andrea Sims is the manager of one of my clients, Tanya Faruqi. Tanya is also a junior agent in our agency. She uh, is managed by Andrea. Andrea has her own radio show. So if you go to Lion Share Communications and go to the radio blog there, and click on the box. I think you'll see Babs Buzz. I'm, I come in at the last, I think she does a three hour show, if I'm not mistaken, Michael. And it's in the last quarter hour that I come in after this really cool jazz music. It's kind of nice. She posted that and I listened to it. It was kind of a good interview. And I, I plugged Simply Scripts mostly because I now consider Simply Scripts not only my home, but my best friend. I, I simply, I can't see myself doing this business without it, no matter how thin my uh bank account gets no matter how flush and i've had a pretty good couple of months and i don't want to sound like i'm rolling in cash i'm not but things are starting to loosen up as i've been mentioning to you over the last few months so if you have an arsenal of work and you go to a pitch meeting that's the best thing to do just to get back on the career trajectory i sort of digressed a little bit you have an arsenal of work that's the smartest way to go if you think that your script is a lottery ticket, I, I, I beg you to consider doing something else. Perhaps do novel writing, blog writing, uh, internet chat rooms. There's plenty of places you could see your name in print. Uh, try those outlets. Screenwriting really isn't for you. Screenwriting, it, it, I can tell you, I I can't do it. I can edit screen, scripts. I can give coverage. I can give solid story notes. I sent a script out that I thought was done. I'm not going to tell you the title because the, the writer and I thought it was terrific. He's one of my best writers. I'll tell you his name is Greg Houghton. Okay. 
And we sent it out to this company and they gave him, they popped so many holes in the script that the two, two of us sat back and, and we thought to ourselves, wow, we must be slipping. Au contraire. We're much closer to the goalpost than we even realized. And it seemed to me that all of the notes that the company gave my client through me, my client, Greg Houghton said to me, I, oh, I let it slip. <laughs> Did I say that? I won't tell you the name of the script. He said, Barbara, these notes are really good. He didn't go, well, they don't get this character. He, he couldn't wait to address them. Even though we love the script and it's done, in our opinion, for right now, and it's, it's definitely market ready, some of the holes they popped in it were just they were pretty extraordinary. So if you think a script is your lottery ticket, I would ask you to um, buy the lottery ticket. You'll have better luck. Which means that if you're going to have a career model and a career trajectory, you're going to have to learn to deal with rejection, either from me to you or from them to you or from your father to you or from your mother to you. Please, I learned something a long time ago. This is an old book, but it's the best book, in my opinion. I was supposed to go into psychoanalysis as a career goal. My father saw me as Lucy, you know, sitting on the corner with the nickel, helping everybody out. Because as much as I talk on this show, mostly what I do is listen. And um, he said to me, Barbara, you're Lucy. You really are. You Because the kids would come to me and say, oh, you know, my father won't give me extra money. And I said, well, how does that make you feel? You know, I would just sit there and listen to these interesting stories about hopscotch. And mostly they were dealing with rejection. So how you deal with rejection is important. Um, please don't, rem- don't, don't. I'm okay. You're okay. Is the book that I was getting to. It's an old book about transactional analysis. It's very helpful for people who tend to be very id or very super ego or very ego. I love that book because it's fast and dirty. It's very simple. It quantifies things. I love compartmentalizing things because I, I don't want my mind to get bogged down with a, a variety of noise that it clutters it even more. Michael, just I am me. I remember that book. It's a great book. If you're frustrated with some of your own behavior, like, for example, I've noticed one of my character flaws is that since we're all being friendly and everything, that I don't like to drive anymore. (laughs) I had a fender bender in February. It's turned me off to driving. I actually now have road rage because every little infraction, every person that comes near me, I'm I'm very paranoid and it's ruined what used to be a highly enjoyable and I'm quite good at it, by the way, driving. I love to drive. I've been driving since I'm 18 on Long Island. You had to be 17 to get a permit, 18 to drive. And that, you know, that's I grew up in the 70s. So that was what the law was back then. And anyway, to make a long story short, the book I'm OK, You're OK is a wonderful way to get rid of some of your junk. There are there are wonderful exercises you can do in there. If you read the book, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. A lot of folks have their own, as you guys know, because you know me, the Bible is my first go-to book. But How to Win Friends and Influence People, and and to a lesser extent, I'm Okay, You're Okay, really do make uh, for some very good, solid footing if you're going to get into this business, which absolutely most of the time sucks. S-U-X sucks. So how you deal with uh, e- your ego blows, Don't don't become inert. Take action, do push-ups, run, jog, punch a punching bag. My husband used to do that in the garage all the time because he was in sales and he found it quite therapeutic. He'd come in all sweaty, very sexy, and, you know, he'd run around the house and he just, he he got rid of a lot of noise. There's a wonderful bit that, um, I forgot his name, the goat man, he would do, uh, he would slap the 
the, the wrench against the hubcap in his garage. So find ways to deal with rejection because that is what you're going to be dealing with mostly. And if you allow that to become the black and blue of your existence, if you allow that to bruise your heart, so to speak, if you don't put the correct kind of callus on your heart, show business really can be, it can eat you up and, and chew you up and spit you out and it'll still be hungry. It's ravenous. Um, whenever you find yourself being smacked down, what I do is I go right back into the, the, uh, the war. I, 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 I pick myself up very quickly. Occasionally I do not. I had something happen this week. It was a little embarrassing actually. I didn't have my, uh, ducks in a row and I pitched something prematurely. I shouldn't have done that and I learned valuable lesson from it. Thou must shutteth up sometimes. No matter how excited I get about a script, I can't pitch it too soon. You know, the egg is done, it's done. Okay, people have been asking me this. I'm going to get to this in great detail. Michael's giving me my time, as I remember, so I'm, I should be good that way. And even if we run long, I actually don't care today because this is an important show. Not because I'm giving it to you, but because of what's happened in the last few weeks, what I've learned from some very important people from some very high places. What makes a story go from good to great? Ergo, what makes a great script? It's a secret. It's the B story. It's the bit players. It's my initials, BB, Barbara Batella. Bit players. Bit babes. Just like my initials, Babs, Buzz, Bit Babes, all the bit babes on the screen, make your story great. Far too many of you are hung up on protagonist and antagonist, and you just have this one doing this and reacting to this, who reacts to this. Yawn. I can, I just got a script from a guy, sweetheart, page one, boring. Couldn't go further. Didn't want to. Not going to do it. So to that end, I'm going to use Die Hard. As the example, because most of you have seen it. Okay. So Die Hard is five stories. And if you don't recognize this about your script, you know what's going to happen? Your script is going to be bogged down with nothing but filler. And it's going to bore people, and they're going to think, you don't know what you're doing. And I am here to tell you, if you think I read scripts a lot and I'm good at what I do, Thank you very much. I appreciate the props. I'm nowhere near as good as the people who do this behind the camera and the professional readers. And the, I mean, they really have it together and they give me such great sound advice. So I, my lovelies, am passing it on to you. So if you do not have solid BB, bit babes, rocking up your script, I can tell you your script. First of all, it's fascist to just do protagonist, antagonist, to steal a line from Bull Durham. Don't throw fastballs. It's fascist. Throw the occasional curveball, you know, throw a, a, a you know, a hanging curveball, you know, stop throwing fastballs and going for the out, the quick out. It's fascist. That was a great line. Listen to that script again. It's fabulous. If you look at Die Hard as a, okay, I got to digress again for a minute. When you look at Save the Cat and the Beats, you're looking at a finished movie, but that is how you learn how to write a great story and a great script because it's finished. And if as close as you can get to that as you do, you do. Remember what I told you. Agents, we look at, I'm going to try and see. I don't know if we need permission, Michael, for this, but I'm going to send you levels from Script Shadow. If, if, we, if we don't have permission to put this on the boards, Michael, 
I am going to, by request, anybody who wants me to send it to them, I will send it to them privately. This this thing, Script Shadow, if you Google Script Shadow and Levels, this guy, he was talking about tennis, and then he gets to Levels. That 1 to 10 that he created is so effective, it's so rich with information, it's so darn helpful, that if you don't print it out and put it on your bulletin board near where you're writing, then you're just a sap. Oh, I've got time. This is nice, Michael. Thank you. All right, so Levels. When writers write stuff, they start at certain points, and the levels that I'm going to eventually expose you to will help you, will help guide you so that you know so at least you can see how far you can look back and go, "Oh, look how far I've come." Because one of my best writers who shall remain nameless, not Greg Houghton, said to me, "I'm making stupid mistakes." And I said, "Yes, you are." I said, "That's because you're getting hung up on the beauty of your own words on the page. Stop it. Just stop it. You are boring me to tears, and I want to love this story. The two of us took a weekend. We did a rewrite. Oh, by the way, that story is sitting with a major player right now, and he's looking it over. He's going to be happy that we went through it the way we did. So Die Hard is the movie that we're going to do for today. Because we now know that you are bit players, right, are what makes the story float, Die Hard is five stories. It is not just the cop. It is the bit players. It's the cop, Bruce Willis. It's the beat cop in the car. It's the wife. It's the kid in the limousine. And it's the bad guy in charge. And it's also the suits. Here we go. I can actually copy and paste this, Michael, and send it to you so that people don't have to write this down. You guys can just listen. The cop has his toes in the carpet. Now think about the foreshadowing for a minute. Toes in the carpet, he's running around a building barefoot. Uh-huh, yeah. He smokes. He, he, number one, he's trying to get his wife to hear him. Number two, he's trying to fight the bad guys. Number three, he's trying to stay alive, uh, alive and do all this alone, but for one cop, which is item number four, who befriends him. And number five, in the end, the cop gets the girl and the bad guys. While, hello, the beat cop, gets the Twinkies for his wife, Wants to stay alive to see, you know, his kids, so he's going to hang out. He can't fire because he shot a kid. He's befriended by a cop who he makes as a cop. He has to be the stopgap between the suits and the cop in the trenches. And in the end, he's, yeah, he's got to learn to draw his gun. While the wife has the watch, the Rolex, and the photos on her uh, uh, credenza, She's trying to, number one, make a name for herself. Number two, trying to make her husband get this whole thing. Number three, trying to be <clears throat> a boss when her boss is offed. And number four, she's got to keep the wolves at bay, including the cokehead. While in the garage, number five, the kid is sitting in the limo talking to his girlfriend, trying to do the right thing by keeping a job and calling her and saying, yeah, I'll be home after this, but I got to hang out here. This, you know, this guy needs me. All while the bad guy in charge who holds a book and pretends to read from some lofty sort of spiritual nonsense. He's really just a crook. He's a robber. But he's a well-dressed robber. He's got to get the money. He's got to instill fear. He's got to deal with a rogue player in his own team. And he's got to deal with the fly in the ointment known as Bruce Willis's character. So what is he trying to do then? He's going to try and exploit a weakness in a cop who's ruining everything. The suits are also in the mix. They take over and get in the way, and they call even more suits who get in the way. 
But in the end, here's the payoff. The cop gets the bad guys. He gets his wife with the help of the beat cop and the limo driver. But before he gets there, we got to know and care about most of them. That's the payoff. If you do not analyze every single script that way, not that script necessarily, but your script or script, which is your antecedent, that which came before your script. I'm writing a script about killer goldfish. What's your movie about, Barbara? Oh, it's about this mutant goldfish, sea of mutant goldfish, and it's very much like Jaws, except it's goldfish. Really? Why is that scary? Because they're in every pet store you've ever been in. Okay, so that's the pitch for killer goldfish. The antecedent is Jaws. I created this little cheat sheet for you with items one, two, three, four, and five, because you may remember a while ago, I talked about your character's dossiers. What's their favorite color? You've got to have props for them. I told you about the limo driver with the black suit and the red shoes. So memorable. If you're not doing that, you're not imprinting visuals on me. What you have on the page of Talking Heads, that's what you're giving me, Talking Heads. Sparrow on the Roof, the first page of Sparrow on the Roof, as I read that, oh, my God, I, I, I couldn't stop reading it. It was so, it's, a, it's an Oscar film. I can't get this script set up anywhere. You have no idea, guys. Honestly, you, you don't. I wish I could write Craig Claude a check for five million bucks and say to him, here, go shoot this. I'll be at the Oscars. I know exactly what I'm going to wear because you may not win, but you will get nominated. And you, frankly, with this script, you probably could win. All of the stories that I read that are compelling are vivid, verby, rich with all of this sort of entwining, all of these characters, the way they interact, and the payoff at the end. Lately, and I, uh, this kind of saddens me, I've seen a lot of scripts with the F-bomb on page one. I highly recommend you don't do that, guys. First of all, it's ugly on the page. Number two, it's not that well-received anymore. I'm hearing from a lot of different, you might think, okay, and I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'm going to be wrong again. I can promise you that. You might think that you're hip, F this, F that. All you're doing is distracting the reader from the story because most people do not like profanity. They may use it on occasion. They may, I, I, I banged my shoulder on my car door. I was pulling my briefcase out, and at the same time, I, I was opening my car door, and I slammed my shoulder. And kids, I have a black and blue that is the mother of all black and blues. It is from my shoulder to my elbow. It's five inches around. That's how severe the bruise is. Do you think I didn't curse in the middle of the street? <laughs> oh, I can tell you the profanity was flying. but. When I put, would I put something on a page to my aunt? Dear Aunt Mary, how's your freaking, you know what I mean? How's your freaking kids? You, you just, it's so off-putting. It, it makes everything sound and read so, in such a crude way that it's a turnoff. And for me, it's a major story distraction. Leave it out. Here's why I say that. If the actor wants to do it and he can get away with it, by then you check his cash and I don't care what happens because that's the nature of this business. I know which battles I can fight and win and I know which battles I can fight and lose. And I have, I am good. I am about to go into war with us, with one of my clients who put a lot of profanity in a script and the script is great and we're not going to be able to go out with it because he won't take it out. 
we, he just won't do it. I know him. I know this guy. He will not do it. And I sat down with Ed and I said, what are we going to do? He goes, we're not going out with this. Story could be great. I don't care if it's E.T., but if it's got profanity, it's not going out. And that's my partner, Ed. And, you know, he would he really would defer to me. But when he's that passionate about something, I yield because I, he knows more than I do. He's smarter than I am. I'm still sort of in the chief seats, you know, checking all this out. I'm going to send Michael all this stuff we talked about. So you don't have to take a lot of uh, comprehensive notes if you don't want to. I looked over Die Hard very carefully. There's so many wonderful places that you guys can probably, you know better than I, you'll, you'll probably put it on the boards, the writing on the sweater, you know, the chain around the neck, the chain around the neck and the kid in the limo, all these things, all this wonderful planting of props. Oh, my goodness, producers and, and their, their PAs, all those folks, they love, the prop masters, they, that's what they live for. You know, the Foley artists, they live for noise and bang, bang, shoot up. Well, the Foley artists, uh, the uh, people who do the, 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 the stage setting, you know, the, the, the set dressing, they love props. That's, that's why they have jobs. So the whole business with the watch and the Rolodex was really, uh, I mean, the Rolex was uh, so cool because, you know, she's got this Rolex. It's, yeah, it's a Rolex that Schmuck points out. And he's just a wonderful Schmuck. He plays the role really well. And, uh, you know, she doesn't even really look at the Rolex. She, she, she focuses on her husband because that's that actress. I can't recall her name, but uh, she can do no wrong. She's extraordinary. She there's nothing she can't do. She reminds me a lot of, of, of many of the great actresses at that time, in the 80s, that they had this. They had these wonderful supporting leads. Well, she wasn't really a lead. She wasn't really supporting, but she was kind of a lead when you think about it. In the end, I want you to consider making Thank you, Bonnie Bedelia. Oh, you're so, Michael, you are so good to me. See, I have help. Nobody does this alone. There's no I in team. Rah, rah. Before I close the show, I want to talk about editing. A very nice man sent me a script. Um, I think he found out about me through Simply Scripts. I'm pretty sure. And the story was interesting, but it was really poorly crafted. And I said to him, you know, I'm sure there's a story under there based on what you, the little you've told me, but I'm going to do something I, I rarely do because, because I don't have time for it. I'm going to rewrite your first five pages. And so I took the time to sit down. I did a copy and paste and I looked at his first 12 pages and I got them down to three and a half. So I got him to about two, two and a half, three. I gave him a kick ass opener, not because I write it, but I showed him by example what the overwriting does to a story. And he emailed me and he said, Barbara, my gosh, I've always loved my story, but I've hated the way I've written. I wrote it. Well, baby, that's why you get coverage and that's why you do rewrites. That's why you do editing. I can, people can send me page one of anything they want. And we've done this in the past. Remember, Michael, where they send me page one and I tell them what's right and what's wrong with it. And if I would rewrite it or not, and if I would keep reading it. And I was surprised as to how many people did really, really well. Oh, Pippin wants his biscuit. I was surprised as to how many of the writers that sent me samples. I was pretty surprised and humbled by how good they were. It was really cool. So this guy, but what he did was, he didn't allow his ego to get in the way of the the whole process. He thought, okay, I can take an owie like this just for a hot minute, and I can take the pop, and I'm going to get over it, and I'm going to do what Barbara said. And he went through the script and through, and 
who knows if the story will ever sell? Who knows if it'll ever get, you know, set up? But what's happening with this person right now? He's learning a lot more, more quickly than if he was just in an isolated room, which brings me to the value of simplyscripts.com. All of you are in a position where you can really, can you handle him, please? Cause I can't, I'm recording live here and, um, this will not work. My producer, he will fire me. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, editing. If you sit down and you look at a script and you fan it and you know it's really dark and you see a lot of words saying simple things, for example, a client sent me something and she explained in rich, beautiful detail what this particular outfit looked like that this Muslim, traditional Muslim woman was wearing. And I wanted to just tear my hair out because I said to her, all you have to do is put traditional female Muslim garb. People see it, right? You don't have to say the sleeves are down to the cuffs and this is down to the ankles and the co- and, and elbows are covered. And the- stop, 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 stop. Here's why that's, it's not only bad writing. I mean, it's beautiful writing for what it is, but it's, it doesn't work for scripts. Here's why that's bad. You're insulting your reader. You are saying to the reader, in case you don't know, and you live in a tunnel somewhere in the middle of nowhere, which where a lot of these people often live, and I don't mean that sarcastically. They do. Well, I kind of mean it sarcastically, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) This is Babs for Babs Buzz, apologizing for my big mouth Beagle Pippin, but I know many of you are animal lovers, so I don't feel too bad. Um. Reminding you that you really do need to write. You need to rewrite. Reminding you that I am here for you. I am agent to the world. Oh, yes. I wanted to thank simplyscripts.com. That's where I was going. Okay. Before I close the show, I need you guys. You think you need me, but I really need you. Now, this is important. So pay attention. You're listening. Say yes. Next year, by the end of next year, it and I are going to know if we're going to keep going. We, are looking at the numbers, we are looking at the the labor, we are looking at the time we put in. We are going to decide if we're going to just leave our shingle out and not actively read anyone anymore and not look at scripts anymore and just hip pocket or if we're going to keep doing what we're doing. It's going to depend on a couple of features funding because we all have to eat. However, having said that, I'm reasonably certain if Michael lets me and if Don allows this, that I'll just keep the show going every couple of months. We'll just do the show. Because if my shingle's out, that means I'm out. And if I'm out, I'm going to want to know about you guys. Not to mention the fact that, to be perfectly honest, all of you have brought more joy and more fun to me than I think you'll ever know. You've also made me a much better agent. I'm kicking ass. And I mean A-S-S. I'm kicking butt. I really am. I'm out there doing it. I'm doing it right. I'm learning. I'm learning from my mistakes. I don't make a lot of them, but I learn quickly. I'm I'm very fast on the uptake. Were it not for Sipley Scripts and and Michael's infinite patience and his wide breadth of information and Dawn's patience and all you guys helping me, I don't I I don't know that I would have learned as much as I did as quickly as I did. So you have my heart and my gratitude, which is why I say I'm agent to the world. And now I can close the show. This is Babs for Babs Buzz reminding you that it's really important that you consider rewriting all of your work. 
it's the only thing that matters when it comes to screenplays, especially because you know it's going to get done down the pike. And you need to live your life. Peace.